you kind of start to realize you're a libertarian when all of your Democratic friends think you're a Republican and all your Republican friends think you're a Democrat. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Welcome, welcome, my Liberty Lions, to another edition of Lions of Liberty, your home, as always, for great conversations about the ideas of liberty. And we're doing it again today here in today's episode, the 267th episode of this program. That means you can find today's show notes featuring links to everything we discuss over at lionsofliberty.com slash 267. And I know many of you out there are facing major healthcare decisions, especially right now with the open enrollment period for 2017 having just begun. I want to encourage you to check out today's sponsors, Health Excellence Select. They have set up the ultimate free market, affordable alternative to Obamacare that you absolutely must check out. Learn more at lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today is the author of a new novel entitled Blood Republic, a fictional thriller about two-party corruption breaking the country into a second civil war. He's also a writer for the Libertarian Republic. I am pleased to welcome in Mr. Jim Duncan. Jim, are you ready to roar? Absolutely. I had actually, uh, just to let you know, I'd practiced a lion roar earlier and it was not working. Oh, so you shouldn't have said that because now I got to make you do it anyway. No, no, no. Maybe, maybe if I come back on the show at some point, I'll all practice. Right, all right, all right. Sounded sort of like a sick house cat. <laughs> That's how I'm picturing it. I'm sure how I'm going to imagine it can't be. It's probably a lot worse than it really was. But, but we'll yeah, give you a pass was, for now. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty close. Because the visual of you in front of the mirror doing this for hours is is pretty compelling on, on its own. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's a it. Uh, yeah, you start to question yourself once you practice a line <laughs> roar for too long. Uh, very well. Uh, so, Jim, uh, we'll get into your book in a minute. Uh, I have read it. It is an engaging kind of fictional thriller, I, I would say. And uh, I think people that are like me, that are sort of uh, political nerds, people that have been down many a uh, a YouTube rabbit hole about politics in their day yep. are going to find a lot of things in this book that they, they really find interesting. That, But um, first, I want to figure out a little bit more about yourself and how you first got into politics. So when did you first take interest in politics and, and how have your political views been shaped over the years? Well, let's see. I guess uh, I've always been interested in politics, uh, religion, philosophy, kind of the the uh, you know the bigger subjects of life for pretty much as far back as I can remember. As far as politics specifically, I was raised in what you would probably consider like a conservative household. I think my parents mostly voted Republican, although they weren't you know staunch Republicans by any means. We were allowed to think for ourselves and everything. But I grew up with that kind of influence. And as I grew into adulthood, I found myself like just consistently being kind of disappointed in whatever political stance I took as far as Republican, Democrat. That also goes for, uh, I, I guess you could say I'm a contrarian at heart or very independent thinker because any group or bigger ideology that, that I attempted to align with, immediately what I would do is start to find the holes with it and the problems with it. So 
In regards to politics, I think I have uh, I voted for George W. Bush first term. Didn't vote for him the second term. Voted for Barack Obama the first term. Didn't vote for him the second term. And that was around the time that I started to write the book was around in 2012. And actually, I kind of grew into more of a libertarian stance as I was writing the novel. So yeah, what what do you think it was about that writing process that sort of guided you down towards more sort of libertarian ideas? And I think something you said earlier might might kind of play a part in that. The fact that you were always open to challenging your views, uh, opening to altering the way you you know the way you look at things politically, and I think that's evident by your your voting record there. Now, don't be ashamed, don't feel bad of voting for George W. Bush in two thousand. I did the same thing because I was an eighteen year old kid and, and I didn't really know much better. But I was actually twenty years old. But whatever. Um, <laughs> but you know the fact that you didn't just go back to him again shows that you reevaluated you know your decision and reevaluated that politician, and he did the same thing with Barack Obama. So you know so many people are, are stuck in this two party divide, and it seems seems like you were never really stuck in that even from the get-go. So what was it really about your your deeper look at politics here through the writing process that, that kind of pointed you in the direction of liberty? Let's see. I guess if I was – because kind of the way that I looked at, at politics and everything is I, I would guess you would say from a sort of deconstruction point of view that, as I mentioned, I would try to find – as soon as I tried to align with something, it's just my natural inclination to then try and find why it doesn't work or what the, the flaws with that thinking are. And like when I used to uh, vote Republican, it would, you know, I would identify with, with certain aspects of it, but then immediately find out that, you know, that didn't encapsulate everything. When I voted uh, Democratic, the, the same result. And then I progressively then started to see more and more how, which I still think is extremely troubling, the way that there's so many people that will vote party line basically, you know, based on just, uh, I call it wearing the t-shirt color. Like they're going to vote Republican every time, vote for whoever's wearing the red shirt just because they're Republican. Same with the Democrats. And it's... Uh, I, I don't know. The, the more I dug into it, it naturally led to libertarianism. At least a, a huge portion of it is the only reasonable answer to those only other two options, really, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm kind of curious how much you know, doing this writing process – in many ways led you to libertarian ideas. So I'm curious if there was sort of a full circle effect did, at the same time, did, did you coming into those libertarian ideas end up then affecting the writing as well? Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of interesting because my, as I got more into uh, exploring the libertarian ideals, then it did change the book. And in all honesty, like, I don't know how much we should get into the actual story of the book, but it's kind of funny that I have since I got done with the book and explored libertarian ideals even more, I've kind of like if I was going to, to write the book now, I think I would end it slightly differently to have more of what I, I view as the political answer to the problems in the book a, li a little more clearly than I did when I originally finished it. So, yeah, they, in answer, uh, they've. 
they're both sort of I've evolved and the book was evolving and then I've continued to evolve a little bit even since I've finished the book. Yeah, we certainly don't want to give away the ending of the book, but I think we can maybe uh, glaze over the basic plot a little bit. And I, I touched on it there in my intro, but why don't you just give your maybe your elevator speech version of of the basic plot of this book? Uh, if you're if you run into somebody in the elevator, you got about sixty seconds or so. You want to sell them your book? What what's the basic gist that you, you would put out there? Yeah, sure. It's what I typically go with is it is a fictional political thriller about uh, the country being torn apart by two party corruption and collapsing into a second civil war during a disputed election. Well, you know, we don't really have a disputed election this time in, in the sense that uh, the vote was pretty clear. The, the victor is going to be pretty clear here. But uh, there's definitely a lot of people disputing the election in terms of yeah. there a lot of dissatisfaction with the result. I think that might have been uh, the case no matter who won. And, and what actually sparked this, this story um, in, in your book, sparked this sort of civil war, was an electoral college tie. And, and were, so I'm, I got to ask, are you, were you sort of secretly sitting at home uh, watching election day coverage, crossing your fingers that maybe a scenario like that might actually play out? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> until uh, just like with practicing the lion roar at a at a moment, then you realize what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and uh, I definitely uh, was uh, caught myself rooting for chaos at the election for a little bit, and I was like thinking, "My God, that just must make me the worst person on the planet." Well, not to say you're rooting for a bloody civil war, but yeah, you know, yeah. it would be interesting if if a few elements of your book actually did come to pass. But you know, I, I think in many ways they have, especially with the knowledge that you wrote this back and you started writing it anyway back in 2012. And uh, even though we're not <laughs> experiencing a, a actual civil war right now uh in many ways we are uh ideologically uh through the media uh in the streets there is sort of a a battle of ideas and i don't even know if it's ideas it's more like um people that just have different cemented beliefs screaming at each other i wish it was more of a philosophical debate we're in right now but uh, some of the characters that you painted and we can kind of touch on them a little bit they they do sort of resemble some people that that kind of did actually crop up in this election and uh we'll start with um this guy Hampton, uh, the guy on the the Republican side of this things. Who, what politician would you most closely compare him to that we saw in the in this this last election cycle here? <laughs> well, I I will say when I originally started writing it, the Republican probably resembled Ted Cruz, a combination of Ted Cruz, maybe Mike Pence of the the uh, more of the. Uh, sort of fundamentalist Christian conservative type. And that was a character that then I did sort of tweak a little bit to be more like actually Donald Trump. So he's sort of a combination of Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. So is it kind of like He's kind of like has the, that religious right flavor of Ted Cruz and maybe sort of combining that with the, the kind of the populism of Donald Trump. Yep, exactly. Uh, when I started writing it in 2012, that's actually what I saw as being I, – I was a, a little bit taken off guard by sort of the populist, uh, nationalistic thing that's uh, driven the Trump campaign. I was kind of thinking that if the divide split further in the country, that it was going to be sort of a progressive versus fundamentalist Christian uh, split for the most part. So – I didn't uh, didn't get it exactly right, but yeah, I think 
some of those elements are in there still. Now, what about on the flip side? Because uh, the, the Democrat here is is this woman by the name of Annie Daniels, and she definitely is not a – I definitely wouldn't compare her to Hillary Clinton, the, the person no. who just ran. <laughs> She's definitely more of a um, – sort of a, a kind of, uh, in many ways, out there kind of progressive, um, but definitely a, sort of a younger, more hipper character, someone who, who unlike Hillary Clinton, it was really able to uh, inspire her base in this book. And, and I think that's, that's kind of what led to the eventual civil war here in your story is that you have two sides uh, with two characters that really are inspiring their base to the point that when, when things tend to start to break down a little bit, well, they, they really break down. But, but was there anyone you had in mind that you based that Annie Daniels character or even maybe some of her political positions on? Not really. That one was kind of just completely organically. I, I did want her to be kind of as far left and in every way, as well as I was trying to encapsulate both the, the political and the spiritual aspect of that divide between the, the far right and the far left. So she was basically created not to mimic anyone, but to be her own entity. But there was there was definitely a, a quality of uh, sex appeal that I was kind of <laughs> since we had the uh, the old white guy. It uh, definitely I thought made for better reading, better storytelling if we could have an attractive, you know, powerful female on the is the counterpoint. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I think maybe, maybe if the Democrats, not that I uh, believe with a lot of the stuff that sh- that she's putting out here in this this fictional campaign, but if the Democrats actually put up someone that was more like this Annie Daniels character than say a Hillary Clinton, who is basically indistinguishable from a, a regular kind, almost a conservative Republican, uh, yep. they might have had a little more success. It's a, it's like if you can imagine if Bernie Sanders was thirty years younger, female and hot. <laughs> if if you if you care to try to imagine now that. now that is a tough image to conjure but <laughs> uh, jim what has the, the response uh been to this book so far obviously i'm sure uh your entire family and the people in your circle aren't necessarily uh libertarians here i'm sure you probably know people from all sides of the political spectrum so what is the initial response to this book that been yeah, it's it's been uh, mostly good. There's definitely, I would say, the people that are firmly in those camps of either firm Republicans or firm Democrats definitely seem to have problems with it. And it's it's kind of funny. I, I think I've spoken to other libertarians that you kind of start to realize you're a libertarian when all of your Democratic friends think you're a Republican and all your Republican friends think you're a Democrat. And so it's kind of interesting when people read the book, uh, the people who don't like it tend to fixate on – I try to be purposely very objective and that kind of reflects the way I, I, I think about the two political sides there. But when people read it and they object to it, they will pull out the, the, the parts that go against their own ideology. So a Democrat reading it seems to be offended by different things than a Republican reading it, which to me means that there's some truth in there then. Right. I mean, that, that sounds really similar to just the response you get uh, today in political dialogue of any kind. You know, if I yeah. if, if you say something against Hillary Clinton, you might be bombarded with 10 articles uh, about why Donald Trump's bad. And you're like, wait a minute, that has 
I, I, that's not anything about what I was talking about. I'm criticizing yep. Hillary Clinton for a very specific reason, and I'm not a Donald Trump supporter. But so many people are still stuck in that divide where if they feel that their quote-unquote side is attacked, well, then they have to go lash out against the, what they perceive as the other side, which in many ways does kind of sum up your book and how this how this conflict really does brew to the surface. Yeah, and that is that is really the heart of what I was trying to get at and what – I personally think is, and I'm sure most of your listeners uh, believe as well, is that it's almost that reflexive kind of tribal team thinking that goes on between Republicans and Democrats that is so much of the problem right now. Because it's not that, um, like as a, as a libertarian or ind- any independent thinker, if you've got the You'll give anyone the ability to formulate their opinions, and they can have different opinions than you. It's not about having the correct ideology, but there's so many people that just only vote Democrat because someone's a Democrat without actually thinking about it, or they only vote Republican because they're a Republican without thinking about it, and they just then and retroactively kind of justify why they voted that way. So that is the theme in the book is like that is what causes the split. And I don't know what the – in real life, unfortunately, I don't know what the answer is to, uh, to you know, hopefully avoid things getting worse in that, that area. Jim, one area that has gotten considerably worse in this country for many people is health care and health insurance. And on that subject, I need to take a quick minute out to tell our listeners about today's great sponsors, Health Excellence Select. And guys, I have purchased my own health insurance for the last decade, and I saw firsthand how prices just skyrocketed after the implementation of Obamacare. Suddenly, I found myself with huge premiums, huge deductibles, and being told that I have to buy this specific insurance or I'm going to get fined. I realized right away that this was a scam and that I needed to seek an alternative. And I found that alternative in the concept of health sharing. This is an amazing legal alternative to Obamacare that allows people to share medical expenses with people of similar values. For most people, health sharing is a much more affordable option, and it's a lot less taxing on your soul than that corporatist Obamacare health insurance. And our friends at Health Excellence Select have put together the ultimate package to help you manage your health care. You can learn more by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash health or giving my rep Jeff Cantor a call. He can be reached directly at 440-283-6849. Be sure to tell him Lions of Liberty sent you. I got to ask Jim. So I mean obviously uh we didn't this this election has not resulted in a uh, a bloody civil war thankfully just yet but yep. so far. <laughs> you're right, but <laughs> so. uh, do you think that this scenario that, that does play out in your book uh, how realistic do you think it is? Cuz I think there is so much realism in this book uh, and then when when the civil war actually starts to break out, it doesn't feel that far fetched to me. You know, when you when you just hear the, the, the story in the surface, oh, we can never have a civil war here. But the way you actually play it out, you say, "Oh, well, I could see that happening." Oh, I can see that happening. And then suddenly you think, I can see all this happening, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> how, how realistic? I'm hopefully not here in 2016, but do you think this is something that we, you could actually see if this divide, this, this I, I can't even call it a ph- philosophical divide, but if this political divide uh, continues to kind of move along in the way it has been? Well, I, I, I not certainly that we're, Not that we're not. rooting for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not rooting for it, definitely. <laughs> um, 
I I don't think so because like even in the book, part of the the plot is kind of the way that everything happens at exactly the wrong time to kind of push the country over the edge, which makes for uh, better drama. But at the same time, you've got to hope that there are enough reasonable and independent thinking people that it would never get that far. There are a lot of things, though, that uh, that legitimately greatly concern me that I have um, written some articles for at the Libertarian Republic that which I'm sure you would agree with. Like it, this is uh, part of the, the libertarian aspect of it is that. There, there's never been, to me, it seems like a greater potential threat going forward to civil liberties and individual freedom. And so, um, as far as real world, it definitely, I don't, I don't know if we would have a scenario where we break out into a second civil war, but there's a lot of concerning things that uh, it seems like we could be living in a fundamentally different country if we don't all kind of start thinking about the the bad possibilities as realistic and and actively moving to prevent the worst case scenarios from cropping up. Uh, and specifically I'm thinking about like, you know, the NSA and like technology is just we've never been at a point I think where we are in as grave of a potential threat of uh having our freedoms encroached upon. Jim, I really got the sense reading this book that you wrote it specifically, as I kind of alluded to before, for uh, political junkies, political nerds, because you put in so many nuggets in there that I, I think a lot of people that don't really get too deep into politics and into maybe uh, a YouTube rabbit holes and then crazy documentaries might not yeah. pick up, but people like me do, because you even sprinkle in stuff like Alex Jonesy stuff about uh, lizard people and, and things like that. Not that that's a, a part, a, it's not part of the plot of the book, but you, you sprinkle some stuff in there. So did you kind of do that on purpose? Did you purposely kind of stick some Easter eggs in there for the real political total nerds out there? Yeah, and it, it, it'll, uh, I'll see if I can explain this uh, clearly or correctly. It, yeah, I don't want people to think that your book is about lizard people because it certainly yeah, is no, not. But but. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there definitely is one character that uh, completely buys into that, that right. is, uh, you know, sort of on the, the realm of paranoid schizophrenic and completely buys into the Illuminati lizard alien uh, theories out there. And more than the book being about like one specific character, the book is kind of supposed to be a tapestry of modern America. And it's supposed to be about all of the, the kind of unique segmented fractured ways of thinking that we've got currently in this divided America all and is like I mentioned before, it's like what if the exact wrong events all hit at exactly the wrong time, and you've essentially got all these uh, fundamentally different points of view that are all colliding. And so, at the the heart of that, uh, the biggest ones are the the red versus blue. But then, yeah, within that, you've also got the even stranger. You know, you've got people that are complete anarchists or people that are believe there are Illuminati lizard people or like even a uh, one of the very minor characters is just like a whole 
positivity, you know, believer that uh, everything, if you just keep on thinking it's all going to be okay, it's yeah. all going to be okay. The secret yeah. type type stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of supposed to be like, uh, you know, the wrong events uh, hit and what happens when all of those thoughts collide. Yeah, you, com- you really leave no political archetype uh, untouched. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I was trying to do. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Now, Jim, I'm curious, did you have any experience, uh, you know, writing fiction before this? I mean, was this, was this your first attempt at, at this kind of thing? No, actually, I've written most of my life. I, I'm one of those people that, like, uh, yeah, I, I'm old enough now where, like, I was uh, prior to, like, the, the changes in the publishing industry. It, like, used to be that that a very few amount of people uh, even thought of being writers. That's changed dramatically. But like, I was one of those people that wanted to be a writer from like when I, I think it was one of the the first things that I said I ever wanted to be when I was like six or seven years old. And um, so have studied it on and off throughout uh, my young and adult life and um, had always had this as a, as a goal and an overarching uh you know, kind of uh, path I wanted to take. And I've had a little bit, I've had some short fiction published uh, prior to this, but this is the the first full length novel. Yeah. And I think fiction can be used in so many positive ways to get, not even necessarily to portray a specific political belief, but to really get people thinking about politics and philosophy. I mean, uh, looking back, I, I don't think I even fully realized it at the time, but and I was a big fan as a teenager of the writing of Robert Heinlein and uh, Isaac Asimov and, and science fiction writers like that. And that, that was before I really took interest in politics. But when I look back, I can see how much the, the, that the, a lot of the beliefs put forward kind of within that fiction, those fictional universes really did influence my, my overall thinking and, and maybe unbeknownst to me actually did end up influencing my political beliefs. So is that, that kind of part of the idea behind your own fiction writing? Not necessarily yep. portraying a specific belief, but really getting people to think about them. Yeah, I think the, the way uh, I've tried to convey that exact kind of thinking before is that I think that uh, writing should definitely cause you to ask questions, although you've got to be, as the writer, very cautious on trying to provide the answers because you can easily fall into your own hubris of thinking you've got the answer when life is much bigger than you or anyone else can actually figure out. And so you don't want to, like, if you go too far trying to provide the answers, then you're running into the chance of like just writing propaganda or something that is completely slanted and untrue. But definitely a lot of writers from the past, like Ayn Rand and and various George Orwell, like I always admired those authors that tried to push the envelope on either raising personal or societal questions, sort of making society look itself in the mirror and ask those hard questions. And it's kind of interesting because I've... um, Part of my education and the craft of writing is I've been to um, several what are called writers' workshops that they have around the country that are sort of like uh, the best way to explain them is they're truncated, like very truncated MFA programs or kind of like substitute for them where you go in and you work with already published successful authors for intensive little week or so periods. And 
one thing that jumped out at me, and I don't know if this is just uh, maybe this is part of my contrarian streak again, not wanting to be part of groups. But uh, <laughs> as soon as I was in any of these writers' workshops, it always struck me that they almost uh, there's kind of a modern writing philosophy now that you don't even want to get involved with any of these bigger societal questions. Like they really kind of try to push you just writing um, what's called genre or uh, like character based fiction. I'm not, you definitely need good characters and everything, but they, it's almost like shunned upon if you try to make it too topical, if you try to make it to anything that, that ruffles feathers because they, you're just supposed to be writing the next version of the, you know, the, the troubled detective That's trying right. to find someone or something. You're not really supposed to be diving into current societal questions. And that, that always struck me as weird because I thought I've always thought that was like the point of literature was to try to push the envelope and to try to raise those questions. Although the trick is you've still got to do it within a way that's entertaining and a story that actually does keep people captivated, which just on a, on a side note, that was what I always found problems with like Atlas shrugged and Ayn Rand and like she, uh, I love what she attempted to do. But then at the same time, even when I was writing this book, I was specifically thinking I have got to make it more entertaining than Atlas shrugged right. and more, more easy to read. Right, A- Atlas Shrugged is is amazing, but I every time I, I've read it probably twice, and I always think this was great, but we probably could have done away with about ninety percent of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. The ideas are great, the characters are great, but it's just so dragged out. And I will say, Blood Republic does not feel that way. This is a book that really keeps you encapsulated, keeps you into the story, and that's why. At this part of the interview is where I would normally ask where you can find the book, but I'm not going to ask you because I already have the answer because we've set up a special landing page over at lionsofliberty.com slash bloodrepublic where listeners can go find out some more information about this book and purchase it through our link. So I do encourage people to go over to lionsofliberty.com slash bloodrepublic to check out this book. And Jim, before I let you go, I'll let you do one final sales pitch on why people of a liberty mindset should check out Blood Republic. And of course, feel free to plug... Anything else you got going on? I know, as you mentioned, you also do some writing over at the Libertarian Republic. Yep. If uh, Well, as far as a sales pitch for the book, if you're kind of fed up with people being Republicans and Democrats and uh, and not thinking for themselves, then you'll definitely find something to relate to in the in the novel. And, and hopefully it uh, will entertain you as well, first and foremost. And then anyone who um, does want to follow my uh, articles at the Libertarian Republic or any, I have got a couple other books in the works, um, which I uh, probably won't go into right now. I'm a little superstitious of not talking about it too much until it's a little farther down the path. But anyone can go to Author James Duncan is my website to uh, sign up for the newsletter and uh, get the, the articles and any updates on books coming out that way. All right. Well, Jim Duncan, thank you for joining me again today. And like I said, I really do encourage my listeners to check out Blood Republic, a great book. And like I said, political junkies, you're really going to like this thing. So Jim, keep up the great work. Keep on roaring. Thank you. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jim Duncan about his book, Blood Republic. Guys, I don't just hawk anything. I don't just hawk any product or any book out there. 
I wanted to do this interview with Jim because I truly enjoyed his book, Blood Republic, and I want you guys to think about checking it out yourselves. That's why I set up the very easy-to-find landing page at lionsofliberty.com slash bloodrepublic. I am positive that listeners of this program are going to really enjoy this book, so please go ahead and check it out. And... While you're surfing the net, while you're on your computer doing your homework, you may as well go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a great review on iTunes. That is one way that you can really help this show grow. It doesn't even matter whether or not you actually use iTunes to listen, but that still is the largest by far podcasting platform, and any kind of boost we can get there is just a huge boon to that show. Only takes you three minutes to head over, leave us a great review, slap that five-star label on us, and really help this conversation grow and get it in more of those earbuds out there and of course that is why we do this program to advance the ideas of liberty to keep this conversation going another way we do that after the show is over in our private facebook group the lions of liberty forum if you just type lions of liberty forum in your little search bar on facebook it should pop right up just request to join i'll check you out make sure you look like a real person and get you right in there to join this conversation You can, of course, also directly email me if you're not a fan of Facebook, Mark, M-A-R-C, at lionsofliberty.com. For your feedback, for your guest suggestions, for topics you'd like to hear on the show, I'm more than open to anything you guys have for me because I do this show for you guys. I want to produce the show that you guys want to hear, and I can only do that if I have your input. So please, don't be shy can follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty. Tweet to us on the Twitter, at Lions of Liberty. There is no shortage of ways that you can communicate with us, and we encourage you to do so. Now, coming up this Friday, you know what it is again, folks. It's another edition of John Odermatt's Felony Friday, his weekly look at the broken criminal justice system. So tune back in then, and until next time, guys, live long and live free.